What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Run Your Mouth podcast. It is a uh, pleasure to be hanging out with you guys, actually doing an episode. And uh, before we rant and yell about all the tech issues that uh, go into making this thing possible, uh, including this cord right now, I, I promise you there will be an episode where I just destroy this studio. But listen, let's not let's not complain before we pitch the gigs. Kansas City, Omaha, Nebraska. Those were some of the funnest gigs that we did all of last year. Going to be out with Chris Vega, come hang out if you're in Kansas City or if you're in Omaha, Nebraska. Let's go. We got some good shows coming your way. Uh, only one episode this week because, uh, you know, it's amazing to me. And uh, you know what? Listen, for some of you people who are newer to the show, who like the news recaps, who don't quite understand the thrill of the tech shenanigans that we go through, the production squad that comes in here late at night, unplugs gear and ruins gears, just, well, you're, if you're watching live, you can't skip ahead 10 minutes, you're stuck with me for 10 minutes. But if you're not watching live, and then uh, and and you do have uh, 10 minutes to give, which, by the way, speaking of production errors, I was supposed to text uh, Bobby the Bank, who's going to be coming on later in the episode, with the link... Just to amuse yourselves. Imagine that we started this in a couple minutes from now. Anyways, only one episode this week because I went out to uh, Utah. We did incredible gigs out in Utah. It was a real thrill to be out there. I got to go skiing. Never thought I'd get to ski Park City because I'm cheap. I ain't got that kind of vacation ski money. And getting out to that mountain was so difficult. I convinced myself I was never going to ski again until I actually got on the mountain. I was like, all right, this is magic. I just want to peek at this and make sure that people can hear me. Yes, there we go. People can hear me we are cooking anyways you know i i spent hours putting together all my gear bringing it all out there making sure you got the the things that you need if you're doing live podcasts or the uh, things to record the this and that's and then in this instance i forgot i don't even know how it happened but the little conversion piece for your laptop charger somehow got left behind so I couldn't get on my laptop for the three days I was out there, which was kind of nice. I got to eat Morio Delta edibles. I got to ski. I got to do uh, stand-up shows. Believe me, I like that lifestyle. But anyways, and then I went to, uh, I finally tracked down a Best Buy. And you ever have this when you go into a Best Buy and you find the one autistic kid who really enjoys working there? And he gets really excited about the gear that you need. And you're like, okay, this guy's going to help me out. But then he just ends up wasting your time more than other people. And then last night I was in here, I was putting the episode together. And then everything's laggy. I got these two giant TV monitors because I went cheaper than wanting to getting giant computer monitors. Don't do that move. I got a computer monitor trying to interface with the two TV monitors. They don't like to play together. One's like, I'm a TV. I'm a computer. You can't mix this. There's no LGBTQ for computer monitors and TV monitors. The two, they don't want to interface with one computer at the same time. And so accidentally, I deleted the entire presentation. I forgot about that because Google Docs automatically saves stuff. So usually what you got to do is you have to create a new document so then that's the way that if accidentally you make a change that you don't like, you all you do is you make a copy and you label where your copy was. I never have to do that for, I do that for like end of year thing with all the hours that goes into putting those things together. You don't want to lose all that work. I do that also with, uh, I've got an ongoing comedy document, 300 pages long. I don't know what's in there. I never read it. There's really no reason. There's no reason why I have 300 pages of jokes. It's just duplicates. It's a sloppy mess, but it makes me feel good that I get to hoard all that stuff. So that one, every time I go to a new city, I make a new copy of it. These presentations, I don't make, I managed to delete the whole presentation. I think I should have gone live just so you guys could have seen how I wasn't actually, I wasn't fun angry. I was more depressed and wanted to cry angry. You know, like that's not, that's not fun to stream. Nobody wants to see that, but listen, 
I'm staying, and that's why we got Bobby the Bank coming on. I'm, I'm staying focused because at one point, Run Your Mount Enterprise is going to be at a point where I get to walk into an office of people, and I get to yell at all of them, and then I can just drink all the time. They can put words up on a teleprompter. I can just read those words and be the fancy guy at the office. Everyone's got to wear suits at this office. We're going old school. They're gonna have, we're going to have hot secretaries. You're going to walk into a room. Everyone gets quiet because they don't like you because they're the boss. That's the way it works. But listen, you know what's nice? You give everyone something to talk about at the office. Everyone in the office, they get to talk about how much they don't like the boss. You still, you give them a paycheck. You walk into a room. Everyone gets quiet. You're like, that's where they get quiet. Then you make jokes. Everyone has to laugh at your jokes because you're, make, you're, you're giving them a paycheck. They got no choice but to laugh at your jokes. That feels pretty good and then you get your minions and your people to yell at so you, you just you got to have a vision board of what you're looking for in life and i want an old school office hot secretaries maybe little people running around with telephones that was always really cool at the beginning of uh of uh that hunter thompson movie right i, I like that i like that i like taking phone calls from a cell phone on a pillow that's brought to me by little people. I like having hot secretaries and everyone's got to wear suits so that it looks like a Wall Street floor for no reason. And I get to yell at people. All right, I got to take this Zemo out because I'm getting a little bit too amped up here. Uh, new sponsor coming on board soon. Better than Zins, I promise you. Uh, and that, oh yeah, one more computer problem. I've watched too much porn on my other computers. There's no porn problem on these computers. There's no porn being watched in the office. I share the space with another individual. He's a nice fellow. I'm not gonna do that to him. But I, I, my computer at home has gotten so laggy, I might as well have a girlfriend and just have fights with her because I would la I would lose less time and be less frustrated with how laggy that laptop is. That's what women should be doing. If you're a single lady, you should be cold calling men and asking them if they're having lagging problems with their computers and if maybe they would like to upgrade to an actual female and stop watching porn. That might be a decent pitch. I'm just saying if you've been single a long time and you haven't tried cold calling, I've cold called. I've done it and it works shockingly well. You would think who's answering their phone in the middle of their meal and actually giving their credit card to a person on the other voice and if my shrieky, horrible, pacey voice of panic can convince someone it's a good idea to give them a credit card. Believe me, you can convince a guy to stop watching porn on his computer to get over the lagging issues and tell him you have an actual vagina. You think someone doesn't want that phone call? Hey, is your computer too laggy because you've been watching too much porn? Well, I have a real live vagina. Would you like to take me out on a date and pay for everything and maybe not get laid? Because I know that sounds frustrating, but it's actually less frustrating than the current thing that you're dealing with. All right, so now let's get into our uh, our actual episode here and uh while we're on the topic of uh things that are frustrating uh i like to document the stupidity that we have to deal with on a daily basis because i think that we have to call out these little stupid things we have to defeat little stupid because you know what it is it's an agenda by government to normalize stupidity that's what it is it's socialism this is, it's the outbranches of socialism that they give free money to every corporation. They don't necessarily need profits. They wait for these bailouts. They wait for COVID to come along. They wait for these things to come along so that you get your, your payment protection programs. Everything's going to come down the line. It's just going to bail out these corporations. So along the way, they get to make these decisions that are just mindless are unbelievably dumb. And you know what that does? It helps government out because it normalizes stupid in our everyday lives. It gets us living a life where things make no sense and you just have to look past it and pretend like it made sense to you. And I would love to be a stupid consultant. I would love to sit in on these meetings and go, hey guys, you know, you've got a shower here. 
and you've got a glass part that's only next to the shower head, which is not where the water is going to actually spray. This is the Fairfield Marriott something or another, I don't know, one of these branch hotels. And there you have the shower head on the wrong side of the glass flooding the bathroom. How many old women are going to die in Fairfield Marriott's because they're flooding their own bathrooms. I have to use all, usually I have to use all the towel for the urine I put on the floor when I miss the toilet late at night. That's usually what I'm using most of the towels on. And by the way, it's incredible how many towels I go. I, I use one towel a month, which I know is disgusting, but every time I try and purchase more towels, I end up throwing out the towels because I don't want to wash towels. Towels are the most annoying thing to do your laundry with. They, they take forever to dry. What am I going to hang them off the balcony like some old lady? I'm not doing that. And so, you know, I, every once in a while I've experimented with, I've tried to live multiple towel life. I've tried to do that. It doesn't work for me. So I just keep one towel. Every once in a while you get a guest that comes over and you're like, dude, you're on your own for towels. This is like a, this is a low end gym over here. You're welcome to crash. You're welcome to spend the night on my couch, but you're going to have to bring your own towel and don't, and don't be drying off on my furniture. I, you can dry off on the rug. The rug's really crappy and it's very absorbent. You want to dry off on my rug like a dog with a wet asshole. You can do that. I don't, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, it's always incredible to me how I can last a month in my house on one towel, but then you go to a hotel and you're you, within 10 minutes of being in the hotel room, you're calling down. You're like, can I get some more towels in here? But in this case, it's because they're flooding their hotel rooms. How is it not one person? Do you understand that they had to like sit down and they had to model a bathroom that they were going to then put into, I don't know, 10,000 hotel rooms, 20,000 hotel rooms. How many hotel rooms did they go with this model with not one person saying, hey, isn't the whole point of a shower curtain that you don't flood the bathroom with water? But no, you know what they do? I somehow, it, it's some new agey people. You know, it's these young, attractive chicks. Every single time you see a problem like this, it's the young, attractive chicks. That's what it is. They're showing up and they're going, we need a more open shower. You don't even have to open up a door. It's a more freeing experience. It's totally see-through and you don't even need to open up a door to get into this thing. And then people are like, well, what about shower curtains? Didn't those exist forever? Didn't you put a door here forever so you wouldn't flood the bathroom? And they're like, no, we're, we're keeping old people out of this hotel. We're, we're making this thing as slippery as possible. That's what we're going to do. We're going to give people more towels and we're going to let them flood them. All right, let's get into some news topics. That is enough for that. But before we do, summer porch tour. Guys, I've structured it in my brain. I know what we're doing. Now that Bitcoin is back up to 60, we all got more money to spend. We can all get out there and travel until it, are we are we dumping? What are we doing? Are, 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 have we have we pumped? Have we spoken? Have we gotten the idiots in? Have we gotten them excited? And now we're dumping? Or are we holding? What, what's everybody doing? Because there's a part of me that learned my lesson the last time when it got up to 60. I was really exciting when it got up to 60. And we're all like, listen, this new currency, it's actually going to pull off. The dollar's been going to shit. Everyone's starting to realize they don't trust that thing. You've got these institutional investors working with BlackRock. If BlackRock's coming into this market, that's going to be a good time. If BlackRock... Tell me if we don't have sound, because if the uh, failure of the green screen today is an indicator of our tech, um, you guys let me know if we've got sound on this. There's something that I've been very, it just speaks to the era we live in now. There's a dark Brandon conspiracy meme. And uh, this is something that you seem uh, to have a lot of fun with. You've co-opted. <laughs> You've co-opted dark Brandon. This is a, a yard sign. And uh, do you enjoy playing around with the dark brand um, uh, meme? No, I resent the hell out of it. Okay.
my favorite one recently is there are 18% of Americans, according to recent polling, have um, believed that you and Taylor Swift are actually uh, working in cahoots. <laughs> and after the Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl, uh, you, uh, you posted this on social media and wrote, <laughs> you wrote, just like we drew it up. <laughs> now, can you, I have you on the hotspot here, can you confirm or deny that there is an active conspiracy between you and Miss Swift? Where are you getting this information? <laughs> it's classified. It's classified information? Classified you won't information. share it with us? I'm not but I will tell you, she did it. I like this rebrand. Just throw on the glasses and say, that's classified. Whatever anyone asks you, that's classified. You sit there, you eat an ice cream cone, you get uncomfortable, you grab the younger lady sitting next to you. I feel like this is Joe Biden getting back to his roots. For a while, he's been a little bit too sleepy in front of us. He's trying to do the angry thing, but it doesn't work doesn't work when it looks like you're gonna fall face forward it doesn't it's, it's not funny it's not exciting when you watch a guy it looks like oh he's talking he's just gonna shrivel and nothing and fall asleep right but you throw the glasses on him you give him an ice cream cone you get him touching younger women that's old school biden right there i feel like this could uh, reinvigorate the entire campaign Show up everywhere, have an ice cream cone in your hand, whatever they ask you, go, hey, that's classified. A <laughs> little bit more exciting than uh, sitting in your basement. And now, sure, all sorts of people have been concerned about Joe Biden's health, but luckily, he went to see a doctor, and you know what it turns out? He's healthier than I am. <laughs> he sat down with what must be the best doctor in the entire country. I mean, if we've got a doctor for the president, that must be the best guy. And the doctor went there, he reviewed all of Biden's everythings, and it comes back, he's healthier than me. He's got hair, I don't have hair, no heart murmurs. I got so many heart murmurs. His brain's working perfectly. That was actually a section. It was a section in there where it says, Joe Biden's brain works 100% perfectly. There's no reason for anyone to question it. Uh, now, Mitch McConnell not making Biden look good. Mitch McConnell is stepping down. He's going, you know what? It's time for the kids to take over. I, uh, I, I don't have it in me anymore. That puts a little bit of pressure on Joe Biden. Isn't that amazing when your legacy becomes, all right, listen, the guy kind of sucked, but he went gracefully. You have to at least give him that. When he started actually just freezing on TV like the lizard he is, he finally realized it was time to step down. Unlike some of these older other people, you know what it is? It's because maybe McConnell has enough of his wits about him to be like, you know what? I don't think I should be doing this job anymore. Unlike Joe Biden, no dignity, just keeps going. But then maybe it's because Biden hasn't quite had the moments on air where he freezes in the same way that Mitch McConnell does. But on the same note, that's because when Joe Biden's on air, it's like uh, the way you dangle kid, like things in front of someone or you give like smelling salts to someone to try and keep them awake. They've got people yelling at all times right in front of Joe Biden to make sure that he can't actually fall asleep on camera. And so this was one of the latest incidents of refusing to answer questions from the Oval Office. Let's give it a watch. <laughs> Even Joe Biden can't fall asleep in that environment. Did have a couple of takeaways because I've talked more than once about the 
people who seem to have that Oval Office job where they thank you while throwing you out of the room, which is a unbelievable government strategy for throwing people out of a room. Thank you so much. It was nice to have you here. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. You got to go. Thank you. Thank you. Just shoving a person out of a room. But I did anyone have that that person as being black on their bingo card? I don't know why that's so surprising to me. I don't know why I never figured that this was an aggressive black. I just didn't see that. And maybe that maybe that works better because people are like, oh, I'm being shoved by black. Like, and all right, I'm leaving. I'm leaving. Not looking for any problems here. I'm going. I'm surprised that uh, Mike Johnson is not throwing Joe Biden under the bus. I feel like that would be my strategy as a Republican. If I was sitting down and I was trying to work out on these negotiations, this, that, and the next thing, trying to, you know, make sure that they actually build a border wall, trying to pretend like you're doing things to cut the budget so that you can go back to Republicans and go, look, I got them to spend a little bit less money. I got them to actually respect our budgets. You would think that if you were trying to push and prod at the Democrats so that you could pretend like you had a victory, I would throw Joe Biden. I'd be like, listen, I keep going in there trying to have meetings. The guy keeps falling asleep on me. The guy keeps asking me if I'm his dead son. How am I supposed to negotiate with this guy? He keeps looking up at me going, Bo, is that you? How, what am I supposed to do in here? I'm, I'm shocked. Why, why are even the Republicans covering for him and his dementia? Are we ever going to see these lawsuits after the fact when we find out just how much dementia he was running the country with? Are we going to be able to go after this doctor and be like, dude, why did you sign off on him having a bill of health? I guess, listen, we, we, the, the fact that doctors are putting out fraudulent information is just surprising nobody on this show, which complete and total ADD moment. I got some very good feedback from some very knowledgeable individuals about the last show where we did a rundown of recent fake government stu- studies. And uh, maybe we'll make that a monthly segment. So, guys, start emailing me, robsnewsimagema.com, if you come across complete and total horseshit studies that are obviously fabricated and faked or trying to work some sort of an agenda, maybe we'll start doing that as a monthly show. And then um, the other Biden news is that the... uh, They finally got to have a deposition with uh, Hunter Biden. I mentioned this briefly. This was very odd because for a little bit, there was a retracted, I believe. It's sometimes it's hard to, with all the shenanigans and the people yelling from the Oval Office, they got to get out of the rooms, the not answering of the questions, the people saying, I never said that when they clearly said it. Sometimes it's hard to keep your facts straight on everything. But from what I remember, the Republicans have been on the case of Joe Biden for a long time. And they keep saying that it's very clear that this family has been making funds illegitimately, that they've been selling access, that Hunter Biden's out in the world representing his father, cutting him 10%. And the most flagrant and obvious one that we saw was when Joe Biden admitted in front of an entire stage of people, I will hold back this funding. And unless you fire that prosecutor and he goes, guess what? They hired, they fired that prosecutor. And that's why his, while his son was on the board, seems pretty darn flagrant, right? Then a long time later, after they keep telling us about all these different funds, which by the way, I lost interest in the story because they never come forward and give you the straight evidence. And it doesn't look like anything's going to come of it. At some point, it's a little bit like Donald Trump when he goes, Hey, I actually won the election. It goes, cool, fine. Maybe you did actually win the election, but can you actually prove that? Because if not just claiming it, what does it actually do for all of us? It's a little bit like that with this Hunter Biden corruption story and that Joe Biden is actually, you know, working for other governments, selling ass, selling access, this, that, or the next thing. 
at some point, can you actually prove it or are you just stringing the story along? And it kind of feels at times, and I'm not saying that the Joe Bidens aren't the guiltiest or the most corrupt ever. I have no idea. It's a reasonable claim. I don't know. But it was a little bit like what they did with the Hunter Biden laptop story where they kept telling you, oh, the most scandalous information, the bombshell proof is on here. And then they just kept showing you hooker pictures. It's like, guys, if you actually have this thing, can you keep telling me that you're going to show it to me? That gets very annoying. So anyways, the Democrats seem to be pulling a dirty trick here where the Republicans have had all sorts of evidence and reasons that they say that we need to open up an impeachment inquiry so we can actually look at the, I guess, bank records and prove once and for all that it's very clear that Joe Biden's been being bribed and he's been selling off access and taking illegitimate payments. Now, I don't think that that case will ever happen because all of these people are being bribed all the time. Every book deal, the Obama's Netflix deal, the, the, uh, the deal that Al Gore worked out for that cable channel that later became Al Jazeera. All these people are selling access in some capacity, leaving office and figuring out how they can funnel themselves a nice fat paycheck. That's the game that they're paying. And nobody wants to start investigating that game. What's going on with Jared Kushner? What happened with Trump and his Saudi Arabia buildings? They're all in on the grift. Nobody's innocent. Now, you might want to say that Joe Biden's more corrupt or, hey, kudos to the Republicans if they can actually go after him and prove the level of corruption that's there. But like at some point you have to actually prove it. All right. So now we just laid out the nonsense of like, guys, can you prove it or stop just talking about it? However, the Democrats pulled the dirty trick, which was at one point, I think it was Chuck Grassley. I remember seeing him and going, there's been a credible FBI uh, person with internal documents this whole time documenting the Biden corruption. Why did the FBI overlook this? And that became one piece of evidence. It didn't become the only piece of evidence. It's not like they weren't looking into Joe Biden until this piece of paper showed up. They were looking into him and then admits the evidence. They went, oh, this is interesting. What's the deal with this document? And then it turns out, I don't know how, I don't know why, but then after the Republicans make use of this a couple months later, they turn around and they go, we're actually going to throw that guy in jail for lying to the FBI. And then corporate Democrat media turns around and goes, look, this entire thing is falling apart because that piece of information that they were using to make all of their claims turned out not to be true. Both sides are lying to you here. All right. That wasn't the only piece of information. That's not why they were looking into Joe Biden. It was one piece of evidence and it doesn't make the whole thing fall apart. And then the latest news was they finally got Hunter Biden to show up and give testimony. And so it was behind closed doors. You and I, we weren't there. We didn't get to watch this testimony. And uh, in classic fashions, you get the Republicans going, we really got this guy now. Oh, if you guys could have seen this testimony, everyone would agree. If you guys could have heard and seen what we've seen, you'd all go, we've got to push these people off the boat. These people are the most corrupt that's ever been. And if you could have watched what we had seen in that testimony, nobody in their right mind would possibly think that this guy can remain in office because he's the most corrupt that's ever been. And then you get the Democrats coming out and they're going, oh, this whole thing just fell apart. If you could have seen what I had seen in that room, you would realize that these dirty Republicans and their meaningless investigations, we need to put an end to it immediately because this man in recovery, trying to overcome his drug addictions, live an honest lifestyle as an artist, <laughs> just making nice finger paintings and selling them for all the money, you would, you would know that you got to leave him alone. 
And really what this does is just reinforce something I've been saying for a long time, which is if you're going to involve yourselves in crime, you got to make sure that you've got a drug addiction to go with it. If you want to be able to somehow spin, hey, that wasn't me. It was temporary insanity. I was on crack that whole time. We all understand the cracks and addiction, and you can't possibly blame me for the crack that I chose to do and get myself addicted to and the decisions I made while I was on it. I mean, why are drug dealers in, deal in jail? Why can't they just be like, hey, listen, I was on crack back then. You can't judge me for what I was doing while I was on crack. I mean, how many crimes took place because some guy got drunk and decided to kill his A? I usually don't get that angry that I actually kill her, but I was drunk that night. Or why are drunk drivers even in trouble? Why are we ever holding anyone accountable for what they might have done while they were on narcotics? Because what I'm learning from Hunter Biden is if you could sit down and say, I was a different person back then, I'm a changed man. It, even if you don't do crack, maybe what you got to do, it's kind of like the great Patrice O'Neill joke. If you've never seen it, where he talks about that, uh, I'm, I'm going to ruin the joke. Oh my God, am I going to ruin this joke? Because I'm, I'm, I'm in news mode right now. Go look it up. He talks about making sure to have receipts and getting into fights with bodega owners so that if in any incident they're looking for some black dude who committed a crime, he's always got the proof that it wasn't him. So this is like that, right? Of trying to tie it together. You don't even need to do the crack. You just got to get yourself arrested for the crack. You got to have the crack on you. Don't ever do the crack, but just have it documented that you were living a crackhead lifestyle. And then if it turns out that you were involved in all sorts of scandalous crimes, you have to go, wasn't me. That was that other guy who was doing the crack. All right. And that concludes, oh, two more things. And then uh, I see Bobby the bank is waiting in the wings. And then we've got all sorts of other news topics to cover. But this was um, uh, James Cormer. He's been the guy who's been running the Republican show of trying to detail all of the Hunter Biden corruption charges. Let's give this a little bit of a watch. All right. Well, thank you very much for being here this morning. Obviously, this is a big day. Uh, this is the day that uh, the House Oversight and Judiciary Committees will be deposing Hunter Biden. Uh, we're deposing Hunter Biden because he's a key witness in our investigation of President Joe Biden. Our committees have unearthed substantial evidence that President Biden and My problem with James Cormer is that he talks like a slow-talking cattle auction guy. If you're going to buy this cow, we're going to put it up. I hear $5, $5, no, maybe $10, no, no one wants to do the $10, all right. Maybe we'll get it back down to $5. And so he just rattles off all of these charges. They're just like, I can't follow the story. Can you just simplify to me? Do you have bombshell evidence or can we move on with our His lives? His family's corruption. The Bidens created 20 shell companies. Keep hearing about the 20 shell companies. All right, who knows? Maybe he ends up proving it. And then here was the response from AOC and uh, Mr. Raskin. They do their fancy walk up to the camera. Every sh Everybody shuffles right, in morning, and they uh, let you know that what happened in there previously was uh, bombshell uh, proof of the Republicans harassing a reformed uh, drug addict. All right, that concludes our first segment brought to you by YoDelta.com. Let me tell you, I was out skiing. All I did was I brought myself a little bit of a watermelon slice. You nibble on that thing. That's all you need for a whole weekend. And now we've got our other fine sponsor of the show coming on. Let me make an adjustment here. Hold on one second, Mr. Bobby the Bank. Yo, what's going Ooh, on? Wait a second. Gentlemen? Is that the new blue hat? I like that. Okay, well, I'll send you one. And no, let, Maybe we could just do a little run your mouth patch on the side and be done. That's a beautiful hat right there. Okay, good. I'm glad you like it. I, I had a hand in designing it myself. but It's, it's gorgeous. Maybe, 
Maybe what we could do, maybe I'm pushing my luck here. I would I would wear that 100%. I love it. It's Just beautiful. take the sheath off. No, maybe we could do a second one without the sheath so that it's yeah. easier for me to wear on other shows. Yeah, absolutely. Too easy. All right, look at that. People, that's how you close deals right there. <laughs> yes, it's a little behind the scenes for the people. How are we yeah, doing? The, uh, the tech errors. I, you know, I built myself this fancy podcast studio, <laughs> and it's almost becoming its own sitcom of how every single week something else uh, fails on me. And so today was the background, but yeah, we, were in the, we, were, we were in the middle of the show when the green screen went out, and I was just like, I'm not stopping. I'm, I'm flowing right now. We're, we're cooking through information. So, you know, green screen or not, let's do it. Roll with it, baby. Yeah, we just had some customers walk in, and I'm like, oh, shit. But uh, I got my dude, Brandon, taking care of him. This guy's wearing an iron neck uh, hat. Do you know what an iron neck is? I would like to get one because uh, do you have one? I do too, yeah. Is it good? Yeah, it's great. It actually will pop your spine sometimes. Did you just hear that? See? You go and you like – you spin around and do some of these and that and this and that. And it, and it really forces your spine to align. I find that's one of my selling points. I've had to do more. Uh, firstly, I spend, I don't spend much time seated. I make sure that everything I have is kind of straight cause I have bad posture and I'll mm. also spend a lot of time like this and looking at phones Mm-hmm. So what I've started doing is like scarf resistant exercises on like all sides, which has been pretty decent. I feel like my neck hasn't been bothering me as much since I've started doing that, but I don't actually know what I'm doing. Now that so sounds like, like a good modification. Yeah. So I feel right. like the, the iron neck looks like a good piece of equipment. I, I recommend it. I mean, but then you buy it and it's like 400 bucks and then you use it once every six months. Oh, <laughs> uh, you know what? It's what the thing is, you got to make the things easily accessible so that you actually just kind of, you know what I mean? Like if that was right to your right, that you could just get up on your board from your desk and just, I don't know how, is it not easy to just put on and use? Actually, I do have it easily accessible at my house. It's hanging on my door. Uh, I mean, my door, my stair wall, stair, whatever, well, stairwell, thank you, words. And uh, so it's right there. I just don't really think about it until my back starts hurting or my neck starts hurting, and that's when I go use it. I don't use it preemptively. I've gotten much better about stretching as I become more of an old man. Um, yeah, 32. And things hurt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the back pain just settles in at around age 35 for Jewish people. Stomach problems start at 30. The back pains come at 35. I lost my hair earlier than I was supposed to, um, but at least I have the dignity to shave it off. These other Jews, they rock the, you know, they, they got the yarmulkes. They think that you don't notice. Uh-huh. And then they got the, the comb overs. It's no good. Um, so, yeah, I, I've started, uh, I, I do my, my daily, like, 20 minutes of stretching even before I work out. It's very, very not cool. But I do it. I do. Yeah, when you get older, you got to loosen up that blood flow. Check this out. I got this from the UFC. It's a card, okay? And it says, welcome to the UFC family, Robert. We are excited to have you as our newest partner. Can't wait to see the partnership flourish. Suckers, you didn't get one of those. There you go. <laughs> how, uh, how is the UFC partnership uh, coming along? It's been so good. They're so cool. They're, I mean, Conor McGregor's management reached out to us. He wants a quarter mil for like two posts on Instagram. 
right. we're talking we're talking about doing a revenue share. Like they're being really cool. A lot of the BKFC bare knuckle fighting championship just reached out. Right. And all these people are like coming out of the woodworks because we're working with the UFC. We are the official underwear partner of the UFC. And you know, we're in the octagon, we're on Dana White's contender series. That the show, the ultimate fighter, we're gonna be in the show in the octagon. We can't guarantee that they'll be wearing underwear, but that our logo will be in the octagon. And the whole point of it also, the main point is that it's generating revenue <laughs> because when, uh, yeah. when are you going to have the sheath jet that I can get an invite to the, the private box at a UFC event and ball out with my friend, Bobby, the bank. Um, I was going to say, I have a private box for you, but that's so corny. So, <laughs> um, I, it's on my vision board, the planes, and it's been on my vision board for a long time. In fact, I'm writing this speech also that talks about the golden apples from the garden of Hesperides as it, it will seem no more than my just reward. And to me, the golden apples is a metaphor for private jets, chauffeurs, servants, mansions, and plenty of money left over to do whatever I want, like do good in the world and like help people. But going through customs and going through the lines, you do it all the time because you're a comedian. It's fucking like just a, it seems like a hassle and I would rather pull my whatever fancy car up onto the, the jet right up into the jet and just like get on the plane and take off without having to stand. In it's lines. amazing with travel because I'm not near this level by a long shot. So I have to deal with all of the bullshit. I'm back in the line. I'm do I, can I even get my thing in here? I have to smell the bathroom. I'm back in the line for the car rental. I'm showing it's a, uh, it's wild when you start realizing almost, you know, how expensive it is just to feel like a human being while you travel of like the amount that it costs to just, sidestep all of what feels like it's indignity but it's just it's just life you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. like you take a step back and you're like yeah i guess i didn't have to get on a camel to to go to to go to utah it didn't take me three months to get here but even so you know you're sitting in a coach and your back hurts and you're just like this fucking sucks your, your seat doesn't recline back you're stuck in between two people that you don't know perhaps and like stacy and i just went to puerto vallarta for me to get stem cells and i got mm. like these did IVs. You get in your dick I did, but I mean, I got him in my vein, which is IV and it goes throughout the body to where okay. it needs it most, which I think my dick needs, needs it most. <laughs> and going, we didn't even get to sit together. We got fucking separate seats on, on Southwest because there's no assigned seating on Southwest. Right. And so you're like stuck at the whim of kind of like, if you get on first, you can sit together, but we were more towards the end on the way back. And it wasn't that bad. I'm being right. dramatic. And I like your perspective. Like, hey, this is life. Take it easy. Don't fucking get ahead of yourself. I need private jets. No, I'm, I'm going the other way, which is, uh, I guess, I used to find I was very disciplined on flights and I actually got very good work done on flights because mm. I'm not afraid. There's nothing about flying that scares me. There's nothing that like, I, you know what I mean? I, I went sky jumping once. There's nothing about being in a plane or being in the air. I am claustrophobic and I'm not afraid, but I'm uncomfortable. Mm. And so what I used to do is I'd pull out my laptop and I would actually lock in and I got very good work done on flights. But then they kind of like changed the seats and like where it is. And I find I'm like crunching my neck and it's more difficult for me to do that now. So now I find I've tried to, and I stopped drinking at home, which was a great move. 
But now I find I try and take late night flights so I can get recklessly hammered and sleep through them. Nice. But that, that system's not really working because uh, what I encountered was I've encountered delayed on the delays on the late night flights where uh, like I landed and then the car rental was no longer open. The hotel had closed out my reservation at three in the morning and I had to fight with them to get into the room. Wow. And then c- coming home, I had, you know, my red eyes delayed and then you're at the airport like you're already hammered and ready to go to bed and you're just sitting there waiting and then you end up landing and getting there during traffic hours. Now it takes you another three and a half hours. So I'm trying to come up with a new strategy. Well, make more money. That's the answer. uh, Yeah. Yeah. That's the answer. Just that's always been my go-to just keep making more money. And because we were, uh, when we, we got up at two to be on the plane at four to get, take off at five. And then we didn't, we got there at like, 2 p.m. or something but then when you get there you're like dead tired and there's like these crowds of people and you're in a country you're not you know familiar with and you they like cart you over like hey come over here we're gonna uh you know tell you about Puerto Vallarta or whatever and I was just like I need to get to my hotel I'm trying to go take a nap and you try you're like trying to sell me something and and same thing happened at the hotel they were checking us in and the guy was like, okay, your room, your room will be ready in 15 minutes. Go talk to this dude. And then he tries to sell you on a timeshare. And I'm like, you... I just got here, dude. Also, yeah. I don't know why hotels don't realize this, but there's something about trying to check into a room that just has a laxative effect. <laughs> and you're like, guys, you ha- like, yeah. You don't know what I just went through to get here. Just get me into that... Fu- like, I'll come back down in 20 minutes. You can pitch me on whatever the hell you want. But right now... Give me my fucking keys. Exactly. They need to expedite that check-in process. And then they wanted us to check out. They're like, to check out, you need to come to the front desk. And I, I, don't, I hate it. I just, I'm just leaving. I don't yeah, want to check out. That's a you problem. Uh, I think checkout counters at hotels uh, should be replaced by robots. Uh-huh. I once was at a ski place. I showed up. I put in the information. It shot out a key. Good to go. I don't need the explanation of the elevators over here. The food's over there. Do you need a tour? Have you ever stayed with us before? The elevators were the... Ele- I, I don't need it. Just give me the key. Let me get into the room. I'll move on with my life. Yeah. Put a map of the room where the rooms are. Um, well, I do want to tell everyone we got a lot of new stuff at sheath.com. We purchased sheath.com. So make sure you go to sheath.com or sheathunderwear.com. They both go to the same place. And tomorrow we're coming out with this new, it's called the sweet leaf pair. I should have showed you what it looked like, but it's like marijuana leaves on Ooh, it. That's fun. Yeah. Hey, behind closed doors. I went on the website yesterday. I wanted to order more of the long johns and I only saw the larges. Do you have any super secret stash in the mediums? I think I might. Yes. Uh-huh. But barely, my fucking guy is like having the hardest time checking this guy out. And I could see the guy getting checked out. He's like, fucking come on already. All right. I'll let you go do your thing. Thank you for joining us. And uh, we'll do it. Quick business tip though. What was that book? Tell tell everyone the book that, uh, that you're reading. And they're walking out. He got it taken care of. But The Greatest Salesman Alive by Og Mandino. It's like super thin and you read like, it's kind of like The Alchemist if you kind of, have read that book. Have you read that book? 
I don't think so. You got to read. I've seen it on the sales book lists, yes. like of great books. I don't think I've ever read that one though. Read The Alchemist. Read I've been Midna- watching too much Trump that I've started doing this even when uh, I talk. Uh, hey, it's yeah. a, it's 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 uh, the biggest. Anyways, this is the smallest book, and <laughs> but but you get to the when you get to the scrolls of ancient wisdom. There's ten scrolls that you're supposed to learn from, and the first scroll is like the most important important scroll because it's going to unlock the secret method to learn the next nine scrolls. So I'm on the first scroll. I have to read it three times a day for thirty days to let it seep into my subconscious, and I'm already like doing kind of well. So it's kind of weird because it's like I've suffered the wounds of failures for so long that you know I need to change my life and create these new habits, but. So it's, it feels a little bit off, but I think as the as the other scrolls uh, are released or whatever, I'll, I'll be able to was, gain gain some wisdom. It was one of my earliest open mic comedy jokes. Was I was reading uh, how to win friends and influence people, and right in the introduction, he says that uh, in order to get anything out of this book, you're going to have to read it twice to understand it. Uh, I was like, if I got to read your book twice to understand it, you have to write a better book. Uh, well, some people aren't as clairvoyant or smart or whatever right. as you are and it uh, takes a I while also, to absorb i'll tell you a, a, another book because sometimes i'm like all right if you're selling me on the, on self brainwashing myself with I, i'm being very uh cynical right now i'll admit to it i like it uh and by the way every once in a while i'll pop on and i think of you every time i do sometimes when i'm stretching i'll listen to uh some uh Napoleon Hill. Yes, um, the best. And it's it's always good and it's always repetitive but it's always good like always you good. know um, and so, and by the way, I'll even sometimes go back and listen to speeches from uh, Zig Ziglar. Yeah. Um, and I haven't done that in a while, but I used to like cleaning my apartment, listening to some Zig Ziglar, and I've listened to all those speeches. So I fully understand the value of re-listening to these things. But with that said, I once picked up, uh, I went through a bit of a stage where I liked uh, Grant Cardone. Mm-hmm. Um, Me too. And uh, every time I saw him in an interview, people were asking him like, what he recommends is the best books. And he kept saying Dianetics, right? Yep. Now, Dianetics is the Scientology. Book of Scientology. I didn't yeah. know that. But <laughs> I, was, I was curious. I was like, man, Grant Cardone, what does he like about this Dianetics book? And the first thing he says in that book is something like, if you don't understand a paragraph, don't move forward until you can understand it. And I was like, well, fuck this book. Uh, like, I, can just, I can just tell that's some manipulative horse shit. That's not the way I read. That's not the way I've ever acquired information in my entire life. And also the little bit of a takeaway I had from that book was that uh, um, it was kind of a diet version of other Eastern philosophies that I'd read where I was like, all right, well, this guy ripped off some decent things. I didn't read that much of it, by the way. I read the whole thing, Dianetics really? by L. Ron Hubbard. And it, ta- yeah, it talks about becoming clear, you know, the, the clear. You want to remove all the trauma in your life so that you can be access your full potential. And they, they do these readings on you and they work on you, but you have to pay them absorbent amounts of money. And I never joined. But I was, I've always been interested in You've considered different it. religions. You might, not, you might not want to float that out there. You're going to start getting calls from the Scientologist people. They, they were sending me stuff for like a decade. But I mean, look at Tom Cruise. He's a good example. <laughs> I heard he's leaving though. Okay. I don't know if that's true. Uh, I heard getting rid of trauma. We, we got to go down to South America and take some ayahuasca and purge it. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Well, I think... That's a good way to do it, like uh, uh, on the fast lane. You know, just go ahead and get down there and, and get it done, get it over with. Otherwise, 
you know, decades of therapy might work. <laughs> All right. That is Bobby the Bank. Uh, everyone, SheathThunderwear.com, promo code RYM, uh, longtime sponsor, third year on the show. We're going to get the limited edition hat soon with the RYM3 on the side, and uh, there'll be some opportunities on Porch Tour to, to get a hat. All right. Always a pleasure. We got some more news to cover, so I'm going to let you go. Peace. Thank you, everyone. How do I get out of this view so that I can make a change here? Bobby the uh, Bank, what did I what did I do here? Uh, remove. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, I didn't mean to hang up on him. <laughs> All right, let's get back into the uh, news topics that we were covering. Uh, let's go. Oh, man, we're making all sorts of changes here. Here we go. All right, so the other thing out on the election trail is I have some advice for Nikki Haley. Because firstly, I read this. I thought this was so great. You know, Trump just has his way with people of pegging them with the nickname. And you're like, that's a that's a good one. And I've always looked at Nikki Haley and I always thought, well, I was saying that she was starting to look like Marv from Sin City, that the more she seems to lie and protect the uh, deep state, it's like Pinocchio, where her Jay Leno chin just seems to be forging and really uh, coming into its own. And I always thought she kind of had a vulture like appearance to her. But then you get this from Donald Trump. And you're like, don't repeat that. Don't repeat it because it's so sticky. Here you go. Nikki Haley says everyone thinks it's funny when Trump calls her bird brain, but the rest of the world doesn't. Bird brain's perfect. Donald Trump did it again. Here's her actually saying it, which is so much worse. It's like, Nikki, don't bring this up. It's not a win. It says more about Donald Trump than he'll call the last remaining candidate bird brain or brain dead. It says more about Donald Trump that everybody thinks it's funny that he acts this way. I don't think the rest of the world thinks that's funny. I don't think that our kids need to see someone who acts like that. I don't think our kids need to see us go. It's so much funnier when you hear her talking about it and you know that it's actually getting to her. It's also great for her to be like the last person in the race. Your lady, here's what she should be doing. Here's what I would do if I was Nikki Haley. I would start campaigning from a hot tub. I would every single day, I would get more dramatic with the hot tub. I put the cucumbers on my eyes and I would call it the don't worry campaign. And what it would be like is, listen, I don't even need to get out there. I'm saving my energy because the deep state's taking care of this and I'm going to win because that's what you're rooting for. You're so out of it. Why are you even bothering to campaign? If you win, it's going to be because they, they remove the other person. It's such a great stat, by the way. Imagine if like there was a corporation that had a hundred percent of the pro a hundred percent of the profits in a field, right? And you had a corporation that was losing money, but you were also in that field, and you're like, well, we're the only other people that offer this product. Imagine Nike had a hundred percent of the market, and I had a broken shoe that had nails in the foot, and nobody purchased it. And I got on TV and said, yeah, but I have this second shoe on the market. We're number two in the market with my product that lose money that hurts when you put it on, but we're number two in the market. Right. Let's move on to some other topics. Speaking of shoes, did you guys see this? I, I'm not familiar with uh, DJ Khaled. I don't, I don't know who he is. I don't know the music that he makes. I don't know if goons are going to show up here and kill me after I make fun of him. I don't know. I don't know this guy. But he had this incident recently where he was doing a gig out on the beach, and I don't understand this whole genre of unfashionably fashionable. How can he be dressed like a fat, rich kid and be concerned about your sneakers on the beach. You're not Liberace. Like, I would understand if Liberace's white limo showed up on the beach and you realized, I can't go to that stage and be getting stand all up in these things. I, I, I don't want a cape filled with sand. 
I would understand that. I would understand that. But here you have DJ Khaled getting out of his car, forcing his security guards to carry him to the stage so that he doesn't muddy up his Jordans. In other nonsense news, and then we're going to do a rundown of uh, all the topics we missed over the week while I was skiing without a laptop. But it always amazes me of the pearls of wisdom that I pull out of my ass because I was talking about that perhaps we should all consume more sugar because then we can evolve our kids to actually maybe live off of sugar. And so the cancer that you might get in your lifestyle of eating unhealthy, of eating McDonald's, of eating the processed foods might help your offspring, the next generation, be able to live a lifestyle where their bodies are just ready for it. And think about this. If you look at the way that poisoning our food supply is going and you look at the way that processed food is going, do you really want to be one of these vegan healthy people whose offsprings can't survive the next changes? What you need to do now, it's almost like living close to a nuclear power plant. So like you evolve and your kids are better at it and their kids are better and their kids are better at it. Like think about the destructive selfishness that you are putting forward by being healthy. Because if you're being healthy and you're clean like a temple and you're some vegan person who works out all the time, when your kids get introduced to the next level of poison, they won't know how to handle it. Their bodies won't be adept for it. Whereas if right now you take it upon yourself to eat McDonald's and other things on a daily basis, you can help evolve. You can help your offspring. You can help you. You got to think about four generations from now and the kind of poison that's going to be in their food supply and whether or not you want kids that can just leave off of sugar and whatever else Bill Gates is making in a lab. And sure, did that sound ridiculous? Of course it did. But then I was just reading in the New York Post that apparently penis sizes are up nearly 25% and they think it's because of pollution. Now there's mixed studies on this because we were also talking about how we were going to have bigger penises in the next generation because they are eating all these plastics. But apparently all this pollution, it's actually for unknown reason, make, do you want your kids to have bigger dicks or not? And that, and if you ever get a doctor telling you like, Hey, you should be going on a diet and you should be eating a little healthier. You could be like, what do you want my kid to have a little dick? But here's the good news. It's very easy to consume chemicals this is from The Hill. Boiling tap water may be solution to microplastics. Wait a second. Are we really living in a third world country that you can't consume the tap water because of the microplastics? Worried about plastic pollution in your tap water? Try boiling it. A new study suggests boiling tap water can destroy at least 80% of three of the most common plastic compounds that can be found in your water. I was like that. Are they in my water or are they not in my water? And then this was in the Washington Post. Uh, I get their little uh, email with their briefings. Boiling drinking water can remove most microplastics. The details, you can get rid of nearly 90% of the tiny plastic particles by boiling and then filtering the water. That's a lot to do. That's a lot that you have to do in order to be drinking tap water. Did they write this article in Afghanistan or Nigeria or something? How polluted, was this from Flint? How polluted is the water that you have to both boil it and filter it before you're consuming it? But once again, you know, if you want your kids to have some bigger dicks, you do, 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 go ahead, drink all the tap water you want. A new study found, but that may vary depending on where you live. Good. So it's only some areas in the United States where you both have to boil your water and then filter it. Is it worth doing? The health impact of drinking these plastics isn't fully understood, but the boiling strategy is easy to do and could have other benefits like killing germs. Wait, there's also germs in my water? 
I mean, how poisonous is the water? You know, they're always saying, hey, without government, who's going to bring poisonous plastic water into your house? Next up, we've got Rand Paul uh, talking about uh, what I, I you know what? Let's watch it first. So I travel to Washington every week from Bowling Green, Kentucky, where I live, and then I return at the end of the week, and I've been married 33 years as of last week. And I get home, and I think, you know, when I knock on the door, my wife lets me in, I think, well, she'll have my slippers, maybe a hug and a kiss, (laughs) maybe a martini. And you know what I usually get when I get home? I open the door, and you know what she says to me? How come Anthony Fauci's not in jail yet? (laughs) How hot is Rand Paul's wife? Tell me that doesn't get you juiced up for your lady where she's like, you can't come back into this house until you've completed your mission of getting Fauci into jail. And I think that Fauci going to jail would be cleansing for this nation because as I argue with relatives at meals who have just gone on from the COVID thing, they still think the vaccines were a good idea. I'd like something more in their face, a better receipt to go. I was right. You were wrong. I would like that satisfaction. I would like to actually see and that's the problem with these old people in office. That's why they that's why you only get power when you're really old is so that you get so old that people are like, yeah, can't we just let this slide? The guy's an old person. That's why everyone in office should be capped at like, I don't know, 85 so that we don't feel bad prosecuting them. Let's continue. But it's not for lack of trying. I've referred him twice to the Department of Justice, but there is this guy over there. Um, the Attorney General, Merrick Garland, who may be the most partisan Attorney General we've had. Uh, There used to be some sense of distance between the Attorney General and Presidents in politics, but I think there is no longer. And uh, we have the proof, we'd submitted the proof. Essentially, Anthony Fauci, in his own words, has admitted the truth. He lied in Congress, which is a felony, and we have the proof. It's in his own emails, it's in his own words. But if you look back in time and you want to know when the cover-up began, when the conspiracy began, it really began January 31st of 2020. The virus had only been out a couple weeks in China. The Chinese were still saying, oh, it's not transmitted between humans. This was months after the virus had really erupted. We know now that the virus started uh, in the lab that the first three people sick, we actually know their names, worked in a lab in Wuhan. They worked for Dr. Xi, the one they call the great bat scientist. The first patient zero they actually think is Ben Hugh, a scientist who worked for. We know that because they declassified that in the Trump administration. They declassified that these three were sick. The x-ray findings were consistent with COVID. There wasn't a test for COVID. They had a test for the first SARS-1, the one that was the pandemic back in 2003 and 2004, but they didn't yet have a COVID test. But they had all the signs and symptoms of it. Will we ever prove they had it? Well, we could have early on in the disease if they'd come forward and admitted the truth and subjected uh, serum for antibody analysis. We could have proved that they were the first patients. But all of the evidence points to that. We know the Chinese were dishonest in their death count. All likelihood, millions of people died in China, and yet there was no real uh, accounting for that. There we go. Rand Paul laying out the facts, telling us that he's still on the case. And uh, hopefully, if Donald Trump gets into office, we'll have a new AG. They actually will prosecute Donald Trump. But uh, I mean, will prosecute Fauci. But I think we all know that is not going to happen. 
Uh, not that Trump won't win, but uh, my guess is even if he does, he will just move on from it. Because he doesn't want to revisit traveled. his own failures of uh, letting the guy remain in office. All right, let's do a short recap of some of the other biggest news stories this week. Because I know some of you, you don't pay attention to the news at all. All you do is you wait all week for Run Your Mouth to actually come out. Sometimes once a week, sometimes three times a week. And you want all the information so that you don't have to go anywhere else. And you can be in the know on everything that's going on. And so here you go. We're going to do a short recap of all the other biggest news stories from the last couple days. And then we're going to close the show out with one other segment. I don't remember what it was. All right, let's start with some Supreme Court cases. First, you've got the immunity claim for Donald Trump. And this one's interesting because it seems like they are going to take on whether or not Donald Trump is immune from being prosecuted. Um, I think that they probably will discover that at some point that they're it's historically, we don't go after previous presidents. Uh, the idea that they can't be prosecuted at all seems odd because I'm not the first one to say it. That means that they could probably just take the SEAL team, send them to people's house, drone American citizens. That would probably go too far in terms of saying that the president can't be prosecuted in any capacity. Um, but anyways, they're going to address it. However, they've postponed when they will address it. So the whole Jack Smith trial will probably take place after the election and will be irrelevant. The other big conversation going on right now is online censorship. Uh, I haven't dug in enough. It is pretty interesting to me. We've all seen social media companies uh, and it would seem like they are working for government or under the pressure of government. Uh, you know, switching up the algorithms, removing information, making programs like this less accessible. Uh, I can tell you, I saw numerous strikes on this channel during COVID. I feel at times like there's still a bit of a shadow ban on the channel. And there is no question about the fact that big time information. I mean, the, the, the biggest one was the Hunter Biden laptop story was taken off the internet. Donald Trump was removed from Twitter on the basis of a statement he made about hydroxychloroquine uh, supposedly being dangerous. And then it turns out that that study was flawed. We saw countless examples of truth being removed from social media, basically under the pressure of the Biden administration. And so now they're exploring whether or not, you know, social media companies are more like a publisher, they're more like a utility company. Are they like the phone lines that a terrorist can call up another terrorist on the phone lines? And, you know, they don't monitor phone lines to, or at least they don't publicly monitor phone lines, but AT&T doesn't monitor phone lines and go, Hey, that terrorist just called that terrorist. So we're going to discontinue your service. I can have any conversation I want over Verizon phone line, and they're not going to turn off my phone line on account of the fact of the jokes that I make to my friends, the conversations that I make to my friends. You can make illegal plans on your phone lines all the time. It might not be smart. The government might be monitoring it. They might secretly find other backdoor ways to then, you know, find you in trouble. But the phone companies don't have a responsibility to remove you. They just exist. It's a highway. Whoever wants to get on the thing gets to be on the thing. So I guess the conversation here is uh, internet more like that, or are they more like uh, like uh, like a publisher? Uh, in which case, they would have uh, um, the I guess the ability to remove people and information. Like I said, we will dig in more. I do have a couple clips and arguments that we will play in a minute because even amidst some of the preliminary information, uh, I was seeing some interesting arguments. The next one also coming up in front of the Supreme Court is a conversation about the legality of bump stocks. 
I think that's what they're called, uh, because obviously in this country, you know, while we're supposed to be have a Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, well, they say that the machine guns are just too dangerous. And so people keep augmenting their guns. You've got pins in the, that apparently you can throw into, even though that's not what this case is about, into your pistol so that it will fire a whole clip or the bump stock, which bumps off your shoulder so that your hand automatically hits the trigger. You don't even need to pull the trigger, allows you to unload clips quicker. And so that one's in front of the Supreme Court as well. Uh, the latest in Israel is peace fire talks. Uh, you've got Biden eating ice cream cones saying hopefully by next week saying that he won't send more arms over there under unless uh, with the contingency that Israel actually is, uh, you know, better and not killing civilians and using them. Uh, we'll see how all that plays out. And of course, you've got uh, Netanyahu bombing the entire area and saying we will not stop nothing for nobody. You've got the in vitro fertilization case, which uh, I find fascinating because, uh, you know, if I, if you're a hardline abortion person and you say that birth is at conception, I don't I don't understand this fully. But if you want to say that there's no other metric of when life begins other than to say it's at conception. So if a scientist does it in a lab and shoves it in a freezer, why isn't that considered a baby? Also, if you if you take a hard line of that there's no three months, there's no other point in time in which it, that becomes enough of a human that you can't kill it. It's from the point of time in which you've actually inseminated an egg. I don't know if I'm using the right words here. So if in the in vitro fertilization process, scientists are adding sperm to eggs, and then that's the beginning of that process, so are they allowed to destroy them? I believe that's what that case is about. I haven't dug in yet. Like I said, this is the short section. I'm just letting you guys know the headlines that existed. In Illinois, they're taking Trump off the ballot because he was involved in an insurrection, which it's a little bit rich for them to do that in Illinois with all the shootings going on to say that Donald Trump and what they did was violent. Um, you got stock market at all-time highs. We talked about that a little bit at the beginning of the show. This one's wild. We've been talking about how at the beginning of the Ukraine war, we uh, banished Russia from our payment systems. And what we've done is we let people know that they might not have access to our currency. And did we have a leading position where everyone's using our currency? We're able to rob them of our wealth. We're able to ship them our inflation. And are we weakening the United States by creating more incentives for people to, you know, rely and utilize different currencies. Have we ruined the status of the U.S. dollar as the uh, now oil contracts are being priced into other currencies? And so Janet Yellen's taking it even further, where the billions of dollars that have been seized uh, of Russian assets that I guess were in American banks, uh, she's saying we should hand this to the Ukraine. The Ukraine's in a war with Russia. Russia's done tremendous damage to the Ukraine in this illegal war. So maybe we should just give them those funds, which uh, long term would probably be a pretty terrible escalation in terms of people not wanting to keep uh, money with us. And then lastly, you've got presidents going down to visit the border. Uh, you've got uh, Biden going down to where the wall actually exists to go. Everything's fine here, man. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. It's pretty great out here. All right. And then we had one more uh, topic I wanted to get into. Uh, Supreme Court weighs bump stock ban. I thought this one was pretty funny. So the guy who was arguing for why people need the bump stocks, once again, I think, you know, you should be the, the guns are to keep the government in check. That we should be allowed to have all the guns and there shouldn't be any restrictions on them. Shouldn't have to go get a permit. 
as saying, hey, a permit because we need to make sure reasonable safety. Well, who gets to define reasonable? I don't know if a government can't uh, can't force everyone to even get an ID to vote because it's racist to get them IDs. Well, then what's the process for reasonableness or the or, or swiftness that government's not impeding my constitutional right to bear uh, a gun? I mean, I live in Connecticut. I have to get them. They got to take my teeth. I got to take a phone call with the with the with the person. I think the highest paid person in the state, and he's got to screen me, talk to me about my relationship with the neighborhood. I got to go take some classes. I should be able to just walk into a store, buy a gun, and be done with it. What right does government have to stop me from what the Constitution allowed me to do? But anyways, in this case, I thought this lawyer made a bad argument, and I thought the response was pretty funny, so I'll give it a read. Besides, he said, bump stocks could um, could have uses other than enabling machine gun-like fire. For instance, they can help people with disabilities, such as those who have arthritis in their fingers or otherwise might lack the ability to fire multiple rounds of ammunition. Why, asked Justice Sonia Sotomayor, would Congress think a person with arthritis needs to shoot 400 to 700 eight-hour rounds of ammunition under any circumstance? She has a good point. I mean, the entire conversation is backwards because I shouldn't have to prove to you why I should be allowed to do something that the Constitution said I was allowed to do. But this guy did pick a pretty bad example of, well, if you limit the power of the Constitution, people with arthritis won't be able to shoot machine guns. And she's like, well, do people with arthritis need to shoot machine guns? I mean, the answer is, I guess, you know, why why should people with arthritis not be allowed to shoot machine guns? And can you defend your removing of their rights? But for me to put forward, hey, you need to change this law so that people with arthritis can shoot machine guns. Not the most convincing of arguments. I. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's listen to this, and then I think we're going to wind it down because I'm uh, I'm running out of steam here. But this is Amy Comey, Comey Barrett, and uh, she's a smart lady. Um, she was grilling the uh, I guess people trying to defend the social media companies uh, from uh, the new laws, which you know this is where it gets a little bit tricky because we don't want government regulating the internet. But do we want government stepping in and saying that tech companies are not allowed to censor you? That's an interesting question because it's not really regulating as much as forcing them to be more free. Or if you take just a step back from there, maybe we don't want government regulating or interacting with social media companies at all. Because if we were to actually just create some sort of a safeguard or fine or prosecution for government officials pressuring social media or social media interacting with government for guidance about what it should be removing from its platforms, uh, may maybe that would be enough that we could just have an open, a more open or better internet. Uh, in terms of just listening to this, I thought that these were some good questions from Amy Comey, Coney Barrett, and it gave me a little bit of, uh, while I haven't dug in, it'll be interesting once this ruling comes out and to read through it and see some of the arguments. Um, it, I thought that this was interesting and that the conservative judges might be leaning towards a decision that would actually make a more open or freer internet. Uh, that's enough of me ca characterizing these statements. Let's give it a listen. Beach? Well, it, it might be, Your Honor, but, but again, in, in, in Twitter and Gonzales, the, the, the platforms told you that the algorithms were methods of organize, neutral methods of organizing the speech, much like the Dewey Decimal Well, that's not system. what they're saying here. So let's, let's assume that what they're saying here, that they're organizing it, you know, in ways that reflect preferences that are expressive of their terms and conditions. In that event, do you think it would be editorial control in a First Amendment sense? 
No, and I think it's important to separate the organizing, and, and I agree with Justice Jackson that it's important to separate the various functions. The organizing function from the hosting function, and this is a, a point that Professor Volokh has made in his, in, in his article that we cite. I mean, the, if it, simply because they, they are required to host certain speech, it, that does not actually meaningfully pre prevent them from organizing that speech. So I think the court has to separate out regulation of the organization from simply preventing them from censoring. And the reason, Your Honor, it is different from a newspaper, I think, is two principal points. First, we've been talking a lot about selection, but second, space constraints. Space constraints are something that this court in FAIR and in Tornillo relied on as one factor that is relevant. And the social media companies have, don't have any space constraints, which means that a, a requirement to host an additional piece of, of content is a, a relatively less... Well, let me just interrupt you there. I mean, Justice Sotomayor pointed out that even though there may not be physical space constraints, there are the, spa the, the constraints of attention, right? It, they have to present information to a consumer in some sort of organized way and that there's um, a limited enough amount of information that the, the consumer can um, absorb it. And don't all methods of organization reflect some kind of judgment? I mean, could you tell, could Florida enact a law telling bookstores that they have to put everything out by alphabetical order and that they can't organize or put some things closer to the front of the store that they think you know, their uh, customers will want to buy? I think first, first, let me just take a step back because one of the problems here is we don't have any information in this record on their algorithms. It's very difficult for us to piece, pick apart what exactly the algorithms are doing. You certainly could imagine, I think, to be, you know, to be candid, an algorithm that could be expressive. As far as we can tell, if the algorithms work, though, in the manner that this court described them in Twitter versus Tamina, they look more like neutral ways to reflect user choice, and I don't think there's expression in that. Now, you can imagine a different kind of algorithm if an algorithm, if it were possible to have an algorithm made a website look like a newspaper, that would be different. But again, I think the court, the, the question of all right, I got to pause here for a second. And firstly, I'm 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 a dumbass. Maybe this was actually the person representing Florida, just based off of the last question. Um, but the point I want to bring up is that uh, um, I'm really losing steam. This is gonna this is gonna we're gonna do more of this on the next episode. You see, you yelled. Maybe what I should do is yell for the first 45 minutes to nobody, so then you guys can have a calm me, and then it could just be a more even and balanced like NPR type show where you're like, wow. Look at how smooth and coherent this person is. Sm slow talking in a way that I can really absorb these ideas. This is a clear train of thought. And you're like, no, I was yelling for 45 minutes. All right, anyways. Uh, what's interesting about this is that the guy is clearly lying and that I think we all know that the algorithms clearly do not just display the information that's on the internet. It's not that you just post and then it's made available, particularly YouTube clearly highlights some things over other things. I've even seen it in shorts. I'm trying to put up more shorts. And if I put up shorts that are more offensive, they get seen by zero people. Whereas if the titling and the topic is a little bit more neutral, they're getting about 2,500 views. I don't even know to what extent other uh, content I'm putting out has been fairly shadow banned or is not readily accessible. But this is interesting in terms of if there would be, uh, I guess, accountability for the way that uh, it's organized for bias. Now, if these were just private corporations and they want to organize the information based off bias because it means that more people are on the platform. By the way, even if it were to make people, if you have a business model 
where it's like the news where you pan make people panicked all the time. So now they're more glued to their phone for more information. And so you're able to hijack more of their brain and have them pay more attention to their phone on your apps so that you can sell more advertising and sell them more shit that they don't need because you have them in a state of panic. I mean, that's a business. And so I guess, yeah, if you've got a bad business that gets people to panic, but people have a choice about whether or not they want to be on that platform and hey, do we want to live in a world where government's coming in and saying, you've got a thing that's addictive, so we're going to regulate it? I think the issue to me is more, is government forcing these platforms uh, to exist in a way, or were these platforms actually maybe even created by government? You got to go back down the archive, all the way back to when we were talking with Monica Perez about manufactured people to get into that conspiracy theory about whether or not the CIA was behind these algorithms from the beginning Juan is putting all of our information up online. But anyways, to me, I, I feel a much bigger threat from uh, government than I do from these companies. And if government were to step in, I think it would be at least as a protection to not censor or that, for example, remember when uh, Gab or whatever that social media company became big and then I think Amazon just shut down their cloud or whatever, one of those bigger companies just shut down their processing power. I would think that those were the protections that if there were going to be government protections, it would be for like anti-censoring and pro-free speech. Organization is analytically to distinct from from the separate question of whether they can be regulated in their hosting and censorship. OK, so your argument that it's not expressive entirely depends on the hypothesis that the sorting and feed functions are solely some sort of neutral algorithm that's designed to user preference and that they reflect no kind of policy judgment based on the platform itself. No, no, not at all, actually, Your Honor, because I think that preventing them from censoring does not meaningfully pre pre preclude them from organizing. If they're required to carry a piece of content, all right, we can stop there. Uh, let's do a couple more topics. This is from New York Post. Migrant security guards paid up to $117 an hour as New York City taxpayers... I'm not pulling out my teeth here. That was a Zemo. Migrant security guards paid up to 117 an hour as New York City taxpayers fleeced by no-bid contracts rushed out by City Hall audit reveals. And I've said it before, if you want to make money, you don't want to be creating products or services for the market. That's no good. You need to create the things that government's trying to throw money into. And that's why I've already come up with ideas. Windmills for urban development, higher carbon reducing trees. But really what I'm thinking is maybe we can go broader and just create the government fleece fund where we just look, hey, government, what do you want to spend money on? And I'll take that money. If you want to turn around and go, hey, we're spending all this money on this thing, I'll take that money off your hands. No problem. And I'll charge you as much as you'd like to be charged and do nothing that benefits anybody in any capacity. If you want to pay four times the market rate for some product or service just to say that you're spending money on it, I'd be happy. You know, anyone, any financial people out there want to actually create the government fleece fund? And then last one, we've been talking about quite a bit, kind of the unseen of government regulation and the Fed of how much economic development is lost when government steps into the market. And one of the ways that government kind of uh, can distort your business is when instead of trying to create better products and services for your customers or trying to figure out how can I compete in the marketplace, you have to start putting resources into fighting the government that's trying to shut down your business or trying to shut down your efforts. And so 
Biden's newest idea for how to make sure that grocery store prices um, are lower because, listen, amidst all of this, there's no inflation. Everyone has a job that wants a job now, and those numbers are all they're all legitimate. It's not just immigrants or part-time workers. Uh, and the economy is the best it's ever been. The stock market's at all-time highs. As to why anyone thinks that the Biden economy is a bad economy, just on account of the fact that you have to pay more for your groceries, which honestly, that's just the stores who have all realized that there's no competition and they have to charge you more money, uh, which doesn't make sense. There's multiple different chains of grocery stores. And so this case, the Federal Trade Commission filed a lawsuit on Monday joined by several attorney journals to challenge a merger between the supermarket giants Kroger and Albertsons. Does that is that actually going to reduce prices at grocery stores? Are there no other grocery stores in those markets? Is ShopRite, Whole Foods or other ones not able to compete? You're telling me that Amazon, if these people jacked up prices, couldn't open up a Whole Foods, they don't have the resources. Walmart can't open up a Walmart. They can't expand their grocery sections. If Kroger and Albertsons combine, it sounds to me like these people are trying to figure out how to become more competitive. Why does government think that these two stores merging will actually reduce their ability to bring you cheaper groceries and, and, and tying up the resources of them trying to figure out how to create more value for customers? Is that really going to help them get you groceries at lower prices? Um, this was one last article, which, uh, was on theme with something that we've been exploring on the show of government regulation, uh, and the, or, and also fed money, uh, and the way that it drives up costs or creates malinvestment. This is from zero hedge. It was called no bargains left. I'm tired. So I'm not going to read through it. You guys can go look it up if you're interested. Uh, but I did think, and you know, I'd love to hire someone who works in commercial real estate because, Standing from the outside, and I haven't read many articles on this, it seems to me like somebody created a lot of funding available specifically for commercial real estate developments. And in doing so, it seems like people almost build them all and they get the gap on board. They get all these people, all their tenants on board. And it seems like it's all the people that just have access to government money. And when you have access to government money that other people don't have access to, uh, and it's cheaper you're able to build these big old grand stores. But what does that actually do to downtown areas? What does that do to mom and pop shops? What does that do to the ability of people to actually create small businesses and compete? It seems like that just val uh, values kind of the larger corporations that just have access to the Fed money and doesn't really benefit to the consumers. Now, I'm going to be honest, it says none of that in this article, but what he was saying in that article kind of reinforced the broad scope theme that I've been mentioning on the show. And uh, perhaps in the future, we'll uh, get more information on that. All right, that is the show. Let's recap uh, a few of the announcements that I made. Firstly, this weekend, Kansas City, Omaha, Nebraska, out there with BK Chris, going to be having a good time. Uh, got some new material I am working on, very excited about. And uh, some of the harshest or, you know, most on theme jokes with this show, I don't do in the comedy clubs. I do them on the independent headlining shows. So come out. I, I, I first, I got, I got all sorts of stuff that's been working that's been polished and I got some new ideas that I'm really excited about. Um, so come out last year, Omaha, Nebraska, and Kansas city. There
They were highlights of the whole tour. They were an absolute blast. Um, they're they're in independent venues. It's just us. It's going to be the Meekhawk game, the hardcore run your mouth friends. We've got no got to leave the room. Going to be hanging out, drinking. The uh, Omaha one is a part of an LP event. It's going to be a good time. So if you guys are living in those areas, uh, show the support. Come say hi. Hand me some silver. That was cool, Roscoe. I hope to see you again. And uh, shake my hand. Have a beer. Uh, other than that, I do want to start doing maybe a monthly segment or maybe quarterly segment. Uh, doing deep deep dives on phony government studies, and you guys are smarter than I am. You work in these fields, you're more knowledgeable. So start shooting me the phony studies and give me the small recap. Or maybe if I'm interested enough, I'll give you a call so that I don't have to actually read them and do that much homework. We can get one step closer to me just being an alcoholic who can yell at staff and read off of a teleprompter. Uh, but I would like to do that as a monthly segment. So shoot me those emails. And then lastly, do you want to start putting together some report store? I'd like to be out there as soon as April. And I feel like April, that's got to be like a Florida month because I haven't done much in Florida. We haven't done all that. I've, I've toured very little of Florida and Florida gets hot. I feel like we could be hitting Florida in April. Atlanta, if you got those porches, hit me up. I want to do all the Carolinas, that whole region. We haven't done anything in the Virginias or the Carolinas, Maine. Vermont, I don't know, wherever the hell I haven't been, shoot me an email, robsnewsroom at gmail.com, and then if I've toured your house before you're interested again, email me, uh, there's some classics I hope to return to, Sandpoint, Seattle, Portland, those were all great last year, um, and they're fair weather, so we could be doing those in August, some of the places that are way hot, like I experienced last year, your Arizonas, your Texases, uh, your Las Vegas, probably do that more like September, October, but I would like to start being on the road every single weekend, really getting out there, torn, working on some new material, possibly putting out a half hour. So hit me up, Rob's Newsroom 